This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. only problem I'm going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA Drive fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, your favorite scouts, favorite scout. It's your boys from the NBA Draft Show on the No Ceilings NBA podcast and YouTube feed. My name is Corey Tulliba. I am here, as always, with my co-host, Albert. Garbage time, Gim. Albert, what's going on, my dude? Uh, a lot is going on. Uh, it's a good time of the year. First pod of the year. I don't know if you already mentioned that. I might miss it. but I um, did not mention that, but that is true. Yeah, it is the first yeah. pod of 2024. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to our listeners. It's a great yes. time. Um, excited to tackle some questions and um, I'm ready to rock. Hell yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to have a little fun opening up the new year and we're going to, you know, do a Q&A for the 2024 NBA draft since we are now officially in 2024. Um, pictures are not fully clear on a lot of these prospects, right? Uh, you know, we're not we're entering conference play, but we're starting to get clearer pictures on a lot of these guys, and we can make determinations and judgments that will undoubtedly shift. However, you know, it's uh, we have enough information to answer some questions and have some fun. Uh, shout out to everybody watching live in the chat right now. Hello to all of you as well. So, okay. Like we said, we are doing a Q&A. I went on Twitter earlier today and asked for questions from our friends on Twitter. So we're going to go to Twitter, and we'll also be answering questions from the chat. So um, if you would like to uh, ask some questions that we can answer live, ask them in the chat, and we got you. First question, though, is going to be from our friend Nathaniel Miller at journalist Nate. How are you separating the bounty of point guards and small guards and why and why? Is it through head-to-head matchups in addition to facilitation, perimeter shooting, defense and self-creation? So, Albert, <clears throat> this is a draft with a lot of small guards. Um so how are you personally separating all of the small guards and ranking them given kind of how we feel in general, you know, about, you know, the trend of bigger guards um, thriving in the NBA and smaller guards kind of getting phased out. To be honest, Corey, when I saw this question, um, I thought initially about the small guards and then I started thinking about kind of all positions um, and, and how I evaluate because it's always hard when you take player to player um even if you take one position group and you start comparing guys it's really difficult right just because um it's never i i feel like there are just so many different variables and factors that go into us inevitably inev- inevitably 
hard word to say, um, <laughs> inevitably coming up with our big boards and draft lists or whatever. And we just submitted our latest boards uh, this past weekend. And while I was doing it, it was really agonizing. And I think this is where I, I've, I've landed, Corey. And recently we've talked about it and I keep thinking about it. And this is something that you've talked about forever. Ultimately, it has to come down to projections, right? Where How do we view player X fitting in the NBA on an NBA team, on an NBA roster, and then asking questions like, whose spot is this guy going to take? Mm-hmm. Um, and also looking at his skill set and wondering, okay, what part of his skill set will actually translate to the next level? And what part of his skill set, when we're looking at it now, might work on the college level or international level, but may not work in the NBA level? So if we get into the specifics of the small guards, right? Um, I have always said I'm not like the biggest fan of small guards, but ultimately small guards have a place in the NBA, right? And they have and they're effective and they're important to winning basketball games. And so when I start differentiating them, I think I just go back to the same questions that I ask myself when I talk about any position group, right? Once again, whose spot can this guy take? And for him to take a specific spot, what skill set does he have? I think is how I end up differentiating. But even then, it's what I said is pretty general too. That that isn't an exact science. And to be honest, for me, some of it is also like gut feeling. There's some guys that even even if I look at them and I feel like they might have a better NBA career, um, sometimes you go with num you you have to look at the numbers, you have to look at performance, you have to look at performance against higher competition. But the list goes on and on. And I think specifically with the small guards this year, because we have so many of them, I think it really has to be how many question marks do I have about this guy? Um, what's his skill set and whose spot is he taking? I, I think that's um all true. Uh I'm actually writing about this for No Ceilings MBA, uh about kind of the plethora of small guards in the draft. So I don't want to like go too, too deep because I don't want to okay. spoil the piece that'll be coming out in a couple of weeks. But um, ultimately, like if you're a small guard, like is there any role versatility to you, right? Like, do you have to be the, the point guard that has the ball in his hands that is doing all of the creating? Or can you also move off the ball and play with guys who inevitably are going to have the ball more than you, especially as a rookie? Right. Are you going to be able to get on the floor by being able to play with those guys? Uh, can you hold up defensively, right? Like we've seen how much like small guards get targeted, even in the regular season. You know, I think obviously less so, but it's still an issue at times. Um, and then like, do you have like an outlier skill, like Craig Porter Jr., right? Like smaller guard um older so had those knocks on him right but he also had like this crazy outlier defensive um skill that has kind of allowed him to step on the floor and provide value and even playing with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell as a small guard he's still able to get on the floor obviously taking advantage now of some of the injuries and whatnot but like he was able to contribute because he had these outlier skills that got him on the floor and like can you use that skill? Like, you know, Donovan Dent, I think has an elite skill as a passer. Right. And I like Donovan Dent a lot. Like he's on my board, but it's also like, does Donovan Dent's elite skill, is it so elite that it's going to get him on the floor? You know, like, and if he doesn't have some of the other skills, like is his elite skill, like, is it going to get him on the floor? It's just straight up. I, I don't know. You know, like, um, going to 
the comments here um, on YouTube, Cosmo asks, is Jackson Shellstad too small or tall enough? And if he's tall enough, why isn't he ranked on most boards? Um, you know, like I have Shellstad ranked, you know, on my board. Uh, I really like what I've seen recently. I also, you know, Albert and I and Rucker and Metcalf, we saw him at the Hoop Summit and we all loved him there too. But I think it's totally fair to ask, like, is he too small? Like he might be. Like his pull-up ability is really fun, mm-hmm. really crazy. But at the same time, he might be too small. Like he doesn't pressure the rim or when he does pressure the rim, he's having trouble finishing amongst the trees. Like, um, so we have to watch to see if that's something that is going to affect him in the long term or if the sample size is too small. He does have a mid-range game. He does have a floater that are really nice. So like he has counters to that, but ultimately like you still have to finish at the rim. Um, and that's a challenge as a small guard. So, you know, it, I, I think that's kind of the exact reason. Like if you can't finish at the rim, are you going to be able to score efficiently? Like what happens if your shot isn't falling? Are you providing value in other areas? And I, we don't know that with Shellstad, but, um, I certainly like him. And I think he is going to be ranked on, on boards, you know, going forward as other guys weed themselves out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, Corey, I'm with you on Shellstad. Um, but even like I say that I'm with you and I still haven't ranked 53rd on my board, right? <laughs> Which is, yeah. Uh, you know, that's a late first round pick. So um, I, I get it. I, I think, and this is hard. And Corey, I, I can't wait to read your piece because if we start going down the list of names that we have in this class in terms of small guards, it's a, it's, it really is an extremely robust list. And I think the point that you made is important, right? What else do you offer besides, you know, just having the ball in your hands, right? Can you offer versatility? And then also defensively is a big question too, right? Some guys are too small and some guys will get targeted and we see that, right? And, and, and I, I'm, I don't say this as like some sort of, death sentence against smaller guards but like okay to give you an example the knicks played the Cavs in the second in the first round last year in the playoffs and guys like darius garland had a really hard time right against a really physical tough branded team like the new york knicks it it was difficult for him but at the same time you can also argue that you know he might have had a better series if you know donovan mitchell didn't hog most of the ball um and darius garland had more of the ball and was making more decisions and you know was given more you know of the volume there uh things could have turned out differently for sure but i I think overall Corey, the point that we're trying to make is number one it is a difficult proposition to try to break down these smaller guards especially considering just you know how robust this class is with them but then also considering like how many spots are there in the nba for these smaller guards and if that number truly is you know limited as we think it is then you're really going to have to differentiate yourself and to the point that you made about donovan dent Corey, i think that like as you were talking about it all i could think about was sharif cooper sharif cooper was a guy that we loved coming out of his class a guy who Mm -hmm. had an elite skill as a playmaker and it just hasn't worked out for him yet and um, I whether it's Donovan Dent or Rob Dillingham or uh Tyler Collick, like there's so many smaller guards in this class, and I think what they'll be able to offer outside of their elite skill set, I think, is the real question. They're secondary, tertiary, those skills, like those are the ones that they're they're all gonna need to develop to really find a spot because of what we're talking about. For sure. All right, next question we're gonna take from Twitter, and it is from our friend Logan Adams. Um, how many freshmen do you have a first-round grade on, and which first-year college prospect has your opinion changed on the most? So 
I went and counted how many freshmen I personally have a first round grade on. Um, and I counted eight, eight freshmen. Um, compare that to last year's draft. There were 15 freshmen that ended up getting drafted in the first round. I'll, I will say I also have seven freshman aged, like international slash alternate league prospect, prospect alternate pathway prospects. Right. So I do have 15 total when you combine the freshmen with, you know, the, the other pathways. Um, and then to the second, the second your question, Logan, um, on which first year college prospect has my opinion changed on the most for me, it's Rob Dillingham. Uh, you know, we we did an episode on him last week on on Dillingham and Reed and how much you know we kind of love them, and I did not expect to say that about Rob. Like, I saw him live and in person last year. He was a chucker. Like, I thought he was so small, and like his frame was like he was really weak. Um, when thinking about like the strength needed to compete at the you know NBA level, like he just I just didn't love his frame. And I just didn't think we were going to see the type of player, especially after the global jam with Kentucky, where he kind of looked similar to the guy who had been in the OTE and at Donda and all that. Uh, I just didn't think he was going to be able to play with the kind of nuance needed to kind of, you know, really thrive at the next levels. And I think after the global jam, like who knows what made the shift happen, but a shift happened. And I really think that, you know, Rob has done an excellent job of becoming that nuanced player and honing in on, you know, taking wild shots. He still does it from time to time. You want him to do it. You know, he's a heat check guy. You don't, you know, you don't want him to, to completely handcuff him um, and take him out of his own game. You know, the fact that like he, he plays with that fearlessness and, and it brings a different variable to your offense. So like, that's why you recruit him. Right. But I just didn't, see him being this effective especially as a decision maker that's that's you know the 30 plus percent assist percentage the turnover percentage is pretty low um hopefully he turns it around he had a rough december um but I, I i've been really impressed with rob overall and i was not expecting that another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. <sighs> I, so, Corey, I did the same while you were talking. I counted. In terms of just straight-up college freshmen, I have nine in my top 30. Um, and then, you know, I, I didn't count, like, the freshman adjacent whatever guys. Just Yeah, yeah straight-up college freshmen. The guy that – so I was going to say Dillingham, but since you already w- talked about him, I'll say the, the other guy is um, Kwame Evans Jr. Hmm. Um, heading into the preseason, I actually had him top 10. Um, I was just in love with his skill set, in love with the size. And, you know, I wrote a piece about him comparing yeah. him to Lamar Odom. Definitely put a lot of pressure on him with that one. But, um, you know, he's played really well recently. So mm-hmm. he started off top 10 for me. Then I watched him play a couple games. I was like, okay, he might be a two-year guy. So I moved him in like 40s, the 40s and 50s range. Not because like I generally thought like 
genuinely thought his skill set was, you know, lower or anything. It's just I thought he'd be a two-year guy. And then recently he's really been playing well. And uh, Metcalf just put out a tweet just a little bit before our pod talking about his defense. And just watching him play uh, recently has been awesome. He's been unbelievable. That game against USC was really good. Watching him play against Arizona. Like, he's, he's playing better. Um, And it's looking good. So I moved him back into my top 30. And so he's a guy that's really moved around a lot, but I'm really excited by because he's gigantic. He's like 6'9", 6'10", but long arms. Um, As Metcalf, you know, talked about in in his tweet, he's really talking off ball, being a good communicator, being in the right spots, or at least fighting to be in the right spots. And so um a guy who i had top 10 then top 60 and then back into my first round he's moved around quite a bit but i I, i'm still a big fan just because now i i could see the pathway to him being a uh an actually one and done guy um not sure you know how high he'll go but if he keeps playing this way he might end up going lottery who knows yeah uh, i mean in this draft anything is on the table right bingo (laughs) literally anything all right, uh, let's take a question from YouTube. All right, uh, Power Stone says, thoughts on Stefan Castle stock? He's been having a rough start coming off of injury. Is his stock stable or on the decline? What do you think uh, about the, the Stefan Castle stock? Because we saw Gavoni came out with a board um, today and I believe he Castle has fallen down to 17 on ESPN's board. Nice. Um, we do have the draft rankings coming out um, this week, so we'll we'll see where he falls in in those rankings overall. But but what have you made about Castle and you know kind of his draft stock and and is it warranted with him kind of coming off of you know uh, injury and 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 whatnot? Um, so he's stable with me. Um, I think I've had him at two for months now. Um, I just don't like, but at the same time, I understand like if you're, if your board is fluid and you're trying to make it so that your board is kind of how you're projecting things as they are now and not how it'll be by the end of the year or whatever with draft time, then I can understand him moving up, down, whatever. But for me, it's just I'm just looking at Stefan Castle and looking about looking at and thinking about where do I think he's going to go? How good of a prospect do I think he is? And that's why he hasn't left the top two for me, because I understand he's had a hard time coming back from from injury. Uh, The shooting hasn't been lights out or maybe even that's putting it nicely. But (laughs) I'm not worried, dude. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's one of these guys where coming off the injury and everything he's going to need time remember he's also a a freshman in college and so there needed to be some sort of acclimation there needed to be him not just getting acclimated with the game but also coming back from injury and i think by the time everything is said and done i think he should be in the top two or three for everybody um by by the end of the season is how i feel but at the same time, I I wouldn't say like, oh, I think Gavoni or ESPN, Jeremy, I, I, I wouldn't say that they're crazy for dropping them down their boards because that's they're just going off of what they've seen so far and how they're seeing things right now. So I don't think it's crazy. It's just for me, he's consistently in my top two. Yeah, I haven't moved off him in that spot either. Uh, oh, there you are. I think you're muted for a second. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I haven't moved off of him in that spot either. Um, I still really like Stefan Castle as a prospect. I went and watched the recent 
performances. And like, I was like, Oh, I like what I see. Like, obviously I'm not saying to not, you know, have any kind of reservations about him as a jump shooter. I think that is completely warranted and you should like, I mean, that's the thing about this draft. Like every prospect has their warts. Like there is no perfect prospect in this draft. Um, so you, you should have reservations about castle. I certainly do. Um, however, I I think right now patience is kind of what I would preach with him coming back from an injury, getting acclimated. Like he kind of has a similar game to Tristan Newton. So like, you know, him finding a role and, and the usage, but like, you know, outside of his inefficiency, you know, like outside of the 52% true shooting, 46% effective field goal. Um, like his advanced numbers are still really solid, like 23% assist percentage to a 15% turnover percentage, 3% steal and block rate, uh, 14% defensive, uh, defensive rebounding percentage, getting to the free throw rate, 50% BPM 5.3. Like he's not even playing to the level that we think he is but he's yeah. still producing and he has that frame and he has the pace and he has like the footwork and all of those skills. It's just about like letting that shot come together. So I would not personally move him too far down given some of the other prospects in this class and how inconsistent everybody really has been. Um, but I get it. I understand it if if that's your thing and and maybe you just don't like his film. Personally, I still... I still like the film and I think, you know, the numbers have kind of backed up what I've seen outside of the shooting. Yeah, no, Corey, I, I, we essentially said the same thing. I, I think it's, yeah. it takes time, you know, it's, and he's a guy that we want to be patient with. And honestly, Corey, what you said at the end is important to note. Like we, as a collective at no ceilings, we had Justin Edwards at one during preseason and he's fallen off a ton uh guys like ron holland were really high on people's boards and he's fallen off a ton and you know it, it, it's the nature of this year it's the nature of this specific draft cycle guys are going to move up and down a ton and also an important thing for us to notice it's not going to take a lot for guys to move up or down because it is such a volatile class and one as you mentioned we if because we don't have any bulletproof prospects it's normal for us to have this much volatility because we're literally looking at the on the fringes and we're trying to find guys that have even you know an iota of advantage over another guy there isn't a lot separating i would say Corey, even from like i don't know on our boards from 15 to 60 there might not be a a lot of (laughs) a lot separating (laughs) like the 15th guy from the 60th guy in a class like this and so once again it's just the nature of this class in my opinion yeah i uh 100 um agree with you there so all right let's uh now head back to twitter and um we are going to go to rc uh and he asks i think there's one prospect that is 24 draft eligible but not mentioned in any board Ulrich Chomchi if he declares he may be the youngest um December 30th 2005 birthday do you think he climbs up to maybe a lottery prospect straight from BAL thoughts on him so um he is a six foot 11 220 pound center from Cameroon uh just played with NBA Academy Africa uh and looked really good in the NBA Academy winter tour I think that he's a really smooth athlete. Um, 
the jumper is like kind of smooth, but also a little funky. Um, but it, it almost looks like he takes his guide hand off the ball a little early and is shooting like one handed almost, but like high arcing release soft shoots a softball, like definitely something that you would look at and be like, I buy this in the long term, especially coming from like a six foot 11, uh, kid like him. Um, I like some of the moves he made near the basket. Like it played with physicality at certain points, uh, like dipped his shoulder, nice footwork, two hand dunk. Um, I think he's super intriguing. I know that I'm pretty sure Gavoni has him on his board. I think, you know, ESPN is probably the only board that has him there. Look, you know, we just said it. <laughs> I think in this draft, I really do think that anything is on the table. And if you're going to take a swing, you know, and, and look, he, he just played in front of a lot of NBA personnel. Um, if scouts executives went and watched him and are impressed with the, the raw tools, you can make an argument for him going probably that high because quite frankly, I don't think there are a lot of really good swings in this draft. So, you know, it, it wouldn't, I don't want to say it wouldn't not shock me. Like it would, it probably shock me just based where we're at right now in this cycle. But I certainly think that he could be a name that, you know, we start hearing a little bit more often, uh, especially once we get into like the pre-draft process of the draft and, you know, guys are going to workouts and, and whatnot and given his age and, and all of that and, and the skills and the size and the flashes. Yeah. It, it would not shock me, but I think he's definitely, definitely, intriguing Corey, as you were uh going on your monologue i looked him up i i'm not even pretend like i was familiar with this game <laughs> but i i could see it the, the the shot looks weird though um but if people are okay with it i get it but uh he can run like he can really when he's running up up the floor it looks really damn fluid so yeah we'll see that that's all I'll, that's all i'll input here <laughs> i'm not even gonna pretend like i was <laughs> up on his game <laughs> Um, yeah, he's, you know, you could probably bang through some of that stuff pretty quickly if you're, you know, really, really, uh, into that kind of thing. So, all right, let's, uh, let's go to the YouTube comments again. And Alexis R asks, uh, who is the best prospect to help the Spurs? So Albert, I'll let you kick this off first. Hmm. I'm going to say that I really hope no really hope is too strong. I think it'll be a challenge for the Spurs if they draft Isaiah Collier is how I feel right now. <laughs> I would agree. Um, I really hope that doesn't happen. The name that I think you and I both would love to see there, Corey, and I think makes sense is a guy like Reed Shepard um, mm -hmm. because He's really good at the the uh, basketball is what he's good at. Uh, he happens he to is. impact uh, the floor on both sides. Um, I, I think Reed Shepard's a really interesting name that I think should be considered. Um, and, uh, God. As of right now, the Spurs have two picks given mm -hmm. draft position because they have the Raptors pick, right? So right now, on the day we're recording this, on January 2nd, 2024, they have the second pick and the seventh pick. So if I were the Spurs and I can walk away with Nikola Topic and Reed Shepard, 
I would be pretty, pretty stoked. So, Court, I do want to say, I think Topich was another name that I was going to mention because when we did, I think, I don't remember if it was the Topich pod or the Collier pod, you had mentioned that if you look kind of closely, their games aren't too dissimilar from each other. Um, the one thing, though, with Topich, though, is that I think you and I were both bigger believers in the shot with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, and, and I think that's what really separates him from Collier and the reason why I've moved Topic up my board. I think you have Topic at one now, right, Corey? Am, am I wrong? Yeah, I do. I, I, yeah. I have one. Yeah. I have him, I have him at three now. So we're kind of, you know, right there. And I think if the Spurs were to get Topic, who literally just walks to the bu- bucket whenever he wants, well, we, we did the pot on him, right? Incredible playmaker, really tough. Um, we believe in the outside shooting. If we take Topic, who is listed at what six five, right? I believe six five. Um, I think he's. We, I've, I've heard six six. I've heard six seven. Even better. Even better. So if Topic, those long neck guys, though. Exactly. Oh yeah. <laughs> so is my wife. Uh, if Topic is six five <laughs> six seven, <laughs> and you get Reed with his intellect and his game, who I I don't really even care if he's six one six three doesn't matter. You yeah. add those two heady guards to play with Victor Wembanyama and the wings that they have, and I, and I think they, you know, maybe clean up a little bit some of the wing situation they've got. That becomes a really interesting, intriguing squad next season. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with that. I think the Spurs are going to have options, and I think that they should do whatever they can to maximize Victor Wembanyama. And I think that they can accomplish two things at one time in going for players that have super high upside, but also going for players that will actually fit and grow with Wemby. And I think that's what they should do. It would be hilarious, but also maybe, I don't know. Hilarious my name. If they take Solando in the top 10, interesting stuff. (laughs) Well, it's funny, Albert, that you mentioned that. Uh, Because I think it's time to go back to Twitter. And uh, at Undrafted Pod FR, which I believe is France, uh, asks Saloon or Richeche. Corey, I don't think you and I have ever talked about Saloon, Salon, Salon, Saloon. We don't know. Anyway, we've never talked about him, actually, I think, between us. Um, no, I don't think so. So this is where I'm at with Salon. Um, when I watch him, he looks gigantic. Um, like, when you watch him on tape, he looks freaking huge. Um, with his gigantic size, I really like the outside shot. Um, I'm actually a big fan of the outside shot. I think he plays really, really hard. Um, and I think he's really athletic. There is some stiffness to his game and also a little bit in terms of like his processing, in my opinion, but he's huge and Mm -hmm. he jumps really high. And sometimes it's, I don't know, I'm a fan is the best way to put it, but also there are some question marks. I think it's fair to say. I definitely think so too. So my heart says Salon. Okay. My head, my head says Richeche. Now we saw him at Hoop Summit drink, and we were like, or I know I was personally. I don't want to speak for everybody. Cause I was like, he's not for me. Mm. Like, don't have that dog in him. Like, I get it. Looks huge. Um, I just thought he wasn't that good most of that week. 
he was not also not very good in the summer. And then he has been awesome um, so far during his basketball season. And there's a level of like, I don't want to say that he he's a safe prospect because I don't think that he is, but there is like a floor that I think you can see and trust. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure Gavoni moved him to two. Uh, and at that size, he's shooting 40% from three. He's doing it kind of like off movement, spot up, stuff like that. Not a whole bunch off the bounce. There is some defensive versatility, right? Like he's okay as a passer. Like there's some stuff there with him that there's just like somewhat of a, a, a floor there where with salon, I think the floor is a little lower, you know, like the floor might be the basement, you know? So, but at the same time, when I watch him, I buy the shot too. And I see the size and he looks huge and he's so young. And then sometimes you, you mentioned like the stiffness, but he's also like kind of smooth sometimes, especially yeah. when he's like chasing yeah. guys around screens, like defensively and stuff. And I don't think he's this level of shooter. Mm. Who knows? Maybe he, he can get there or some like a level close to it. But like sometimes I'm like, Michael Porter Jr. is not a very good processor either. And he's a little stiff and he's also huge. And like, if you just have a guy who can knock down shots like that, who's that big and can rebound and, you know, could be versatile defensively, like there is an argument that he should definitely go in the top 10. So I look, I, I think at being that young, you can excuse some of the feel stuff because he's still yeah. learning the game. I think some guys just have it, right? Like Topic's feel is natural. There he's born with it. Like he has it and he's super young too, but like, I think that they're both interesting prospects and I can see the argument for either one. So Corey, I think I'm like a little bit of the opposite of you with recession A because I actually, I had weird opinions when we were at hoop summit drink. Um, like for me with recession, A, like I actually liked him in workouts like when they were like, you know, when they had shoot arounds and they had, you know, like the cl- the closed door practices or whatever, I was like, oh, I, I like this. Like, you know, they, he had some moments where he had a couple outside shots, made a couple nice cuts, was moving the ball. I was like, I could see it. And then, you know, didn't do much in the exhibition. And then, as you mentioned, had a rough summer. And then I was starting like, oh, OK, like maybe he's not a guy right now. And then he started playing well and he's shooting the ball well from outside. So I, I'm with you. Like, I, I can understand. Um, and it's to the point, Corey, where I'm not sure at all about either guy. I, I'm not exactly sure how to feel about them, except Resusher, I have him at seven. So that's pretty mm-hmm. high, you know, to have a guy yeah. at seven. And then Salon, Salon, I have him at 23rd. And then, but at the same time, I'm not sure. And I could see Salon moving up significantly and Resusher kind of moving to, I don't know. But overall, to answer the question right now, I would say Resusher, but um there is a very real world by the time the draft comes along that that might flip for me yeah and it's gonna be fun to watch i think they're two intriguing prospects who both of their stock is pretty steadily on the rise and i think that's going to be reflected when we see the january draft rankings come out um all right let's go back to the youtube comments and we have alex uh, asking if Bub Carrington were to improve his ability to drive, how high do you think he goes? Corey, I also, have, have, we talked about, have we talked about Bub? We did. You and I? Did, we, did. did we talk about him a little bit? Um, 
Did we not? I think this is a good question because obviously the rim pressure stuff is kind of what has, you know, had people question um, what kind of exactly what kind of prospect he is, right? But I think there are more concerns than just like the rim pressure stuff. And the rim pressure stuff obviously is incredibly real um, as far as like things you should be worrying about. Um, But I think that if the rim pressure stuff worked itself out, he would definitely have a chance to kind of go in the lottery as he, you know, kind of was projected right away after he had that monster debut. Mm-hmm. Corey, where is he on your board right now? Uh, right now on my board, he is, I think, at like 30 or 31. Okay. 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 And yeah. Where I have him. I put him at 34 um, for the latest one that we submitted this weekend. Um, I, I think you know what, Corey. I realized we talked about him when we did the last um, draft update, ranking update. Right. I think yes. yeah, we talked about him then. Um, I don't know. I I just I'm not sure. I'm just not I, not a big fan of this type of player. I think right now um, he takes a lot of tough shots. I mean, he can make them. You know, to his credit, he mm-hmm. can. But I definitely. Just, I don't know. I, I I've dropped him quite a bit. Actually, no. I don't even know if I've dropped him. I might have actually. He might have actually gone up on my board if it's at thirty four. But uh, interesting guy. I, I think we're. Uh, he's another guy we have to continue to monitor, and he is definitely someone that'll move up and down a lot of boards, in my opinion, because he can get super hot. We know that. We saw that in his debut. We saw it early on. He's a guy who could easily go on an absolute bender for two, three weeks and change a lot of minds. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, after those two, three weeks, he might go a month of just really bad basketball. So I I just think it's going to be wait and see for me. Um, And that's why I think... I, I think I'm probably going to keep him right here for maybe the rest of the year. I mean, depending on how things go, but this feels kind of like where I think he'll end up being because I think there's going to be so much variance in his game, which is, you know, part of the experience right now with him being that young variance is to be expected a little bit. And I think with him, it's just a little bit more intense than others. So I don't think he's the best prospect on that team. Mm. I think Diaz Guillermo Diaz mm-hmm. Graham is the best prospect on that team. Or very, very broke poor man's Chet Holmgren for those who haven't watched his game. Um, but he's somebody that I like that is really skilled and kind of fits the direction of the game. Bub is interesting. I love the pull-up ability. I love some of the playmaking flashes that he's had. I, I mean, you don't have that kind of monster debut that he had without being incredibly talented, right? Yeah. I think that it's telling that Gavoni doesn't even have him on his top 100. <sighs> I don't know. And to me, that screams more than just like, I don't see the talent. I think Mm -hmm. he stinks because like, there's a lot of players that I think stink that are on that top 100, right? Like, so I don't think it's that like, maybe he, he knows that maybe he's not coming out this year. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But even if you look at like the numbers from, from bub, right. And, and look, you love the six, five, you love the shot making. Um, 
you you love the 30% assist percentage, right? He rebounds 16% defensive rebound percentage, 51 effect percent effective field goal, uh, only a 1.1 steal percentage and 0.6 block percentage. So like super low, uh, he doesn't really make an impact there. He's super inefficient because of the shot he takes and the fact that he doesn't pressure the rim. Right. So it's just hard, you know, to kind of see like this prospect that he appeared to be very early in the year. <sighs> no, I get it, Corey. I get it. I, I just, I don't know. It, it's, hmm. I think the Gavoni point you made is a really interesting one. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot more to that. Um, as you mentioned, beyond just what we've seen on the court, who knows? There, there could be a lot of different factors. But overall for me, once again, I just want to reiterate, I think he's going to sit right about here on my board for the rest of the year just because I I know he's listed at 6'5", Corey. I don't know. Sometimes he looks 6'5". Sometimes he looks shorter to me. And it might just be because he's kind of frail, doesn't have the best frame. So he mm-hmm. might look a little smaller on certain days. But just overall, like he's pretty inefficient and that's not the best and um you've mentioned the passing flashes for sure that needs to be acknowledged but also doesn't mean that he's you know lights out as a playmaker yet so i with all those different things considered i feel like outside the first round feels good for me at this point yeah Uh, if if you want to take a shot in there exactly but if that's where he's at i don't know maybe he should go back to school get an nil bag and you know work on developing his game all right, uh, let's go back to the Twitter questions and let's go to Baller Sports, who asks opinion on Bronny. <sighs> oh, my opinion on Bronny. Well, first off, this USC team has been kind of rough to watch recently. Let's start there. Been watching, mm-hmm, been watching USC recently, and that is not fun. It has not been a fun watch at all. My opinion on Bronny is I currently have him at, let's see, I have him at 37 on my board. And a part of me wonders if 37 is too high, um, just because we'll see. I mean, he, he finally, well, I don't even want to say he had a decent game. Like, he had a game recently. Um, who's it against? Arizona State. Um, right? Was it Arizona State, Corey? Am I? Am I, uh, I believe so. Yeah, put up like 15 points, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so early, dude, and he's coming off of such a scary situation. Um, to be that young and to have a heart attack is scary, dude. Like you, you we can, we can, you can sugarcoat it. You can look at it a million different ways, but to be that young and to be as fit. Uh, as he is and to have a heart attack at that age is scary and i think nba teams will look at that and have that in mind 100 percent. you know that that is um a part of the game that is ter- terrifying his situation i think that's terrifying and hard to ignore but in terms of his game itself i think we've always been high on him as an, uh, an elite athlete a uh, really strong defender developing outside shooter can move the ball pass the ball you've compared him to jalen suggs in the past which i think is a really interesting mm-hmm. comp for him but uh, it's we can't take the evaluation of his game and not consider everything that's happened, you know. And so I think at this point in the draft class, with it being so early on and him only having played just a handful of games, we have to play the wait and see 
here. We have to be patient and continue to see how this develops and how his health continues to check out. And, and I'm not like trying to say that like we think he's going to have another heart attack on the on the on the floor or anything like that. But it was a very serious situation, and we can't ignore that. And to see how he recovers from that and how he continues to develop. Um, beyond that, I think is a really important part of his eval. But if we were to take all that out and just look at his skill set and size and all that stuff, you could see a guy who would, who can become like a really strong defensive guard who can offer some outside shooting and a, and a ton of athleticism. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. Let's say we take again, we take that out. Um, the health stuff. He impressed me all week at Hoop Summit last year. Yeah, yeah. you know, like. Um, He's he looks as strong in person as he does on TV, right? He he looks like somebody just took LeBron and just squished them a little bit like a cartoon and made him shorter. Like that's what he yeah. looks like physically. Uh, I thought his athleticism really, really popped in person. And we saw that immediately with that chase down block, right? Yeah. Um, when he has a runway or a little bit of space to like really get some momentum, he can explode. Like he is a super, super athletic guy. I don't think that athletic, athleticism translates as much in tight spaces yet. And I think that's something he has to learn and get better with. I really believe in the shot. Um, I think that especially as a spot up shooter, like he's going to be a guy that you can trust to make shots and play off of other guys. And, you know, considering like you mentioned the, the Jalen Suggs type of role that he could possibly play. Like I think being able to play off other guys and knock down shots is going to be a super important skill that he needs. And I think he has that. Um, I like that he just had a big game. So things are trending, you know, in the right spot as he's getting more comfortable. Right. I love his feel. Uh, I don't think he is some kind of primary initiator or anything like that, but he's definitely a guy that can, you know, make the right pass. He'll make the one more. He'll keep the ball swinging. He has court, good court vision. He gets rid of it quickly. He plays 0.5. Like he definitely fits what, what teams want. And then defensively, I, 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 I just love him defensively. I really do think he's a pit bull. I think he has such great instincts. He's strong enough to, you know, kind of guard up a little bit if you need him to. And I think that's that's ultimately the goal. Now, I think Suggs is a little bit bigger. Like, I don't know. You're what, 6'3"? Me, and I'm 6'2". 6'2", yeah. and Bronny was what? Uh, shorter, a little yeah. shorter than you? About an inch and a half shorter than me, to be honest. Yeah, right. So he's probably 6'1", right? Six like, foot, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Suggs is, is taller and, and, and whatnot. And I think that matters. Um, but ultimately if he could just be a, you know, a really, really grimy point of attack defender who can, you know, make the right decision on the, you know, when he gets the ball swung to him, whether that's shooting or attacking in a line drive, keeping the game simple, uh, and then maybe potentially being able to knock down shots off the bounce or, you know, with a screen and, and whatnot. I think that's something that's, that's a valuable player. And in this draft, it would not shock me at all if, if a team spent a first round pick on him, um, you know, and I don't know if that means, you know, if they would have hopes of LeBron coming in free agency because they took, you know, him in the draft. I'm, I'm certain that if a team does that, that's, you know, in the back of their mind, whether or not that would be the reason, or if Bronny is just, you know, the kind of talent in this draft that you could maybe feel safe, uh, safe with from a skill perspective, um, you know, it wouldn't shock me, but, yeah, I, I like Bronny as a as a prospect, and you know I hope that he has uh, a clean bill of health for the rest of the year, and you know he he continues to get better. Corey, I, I think the when you watch him play, when you watch him play, it just feels like he's LeBron's son. 
And I mean that in the best way. Like I yeah. like imagine LeBron James with your dad, with his wealth of basketball IQ and knowledge and experience, the things that LeBron could teach you growing up. And who knows, like I, from everything we've seen and what we've heard, he seems like an incredible dad who probably had right. like great conversations with his sons about basketball. And I feel like you see that when he plays everything that you said about his processing that, that 0.5 basketball that he can play. I, I think a lot of that has to come from him being LeBron James's son, you know, and yeah, he has sure. that freak athleticism to him as well. And as you mentioned, Corey, it is something that he's got to work on in terms of like, you know, in tight spaces with burst and stuff like that. But I, I think he can really be an effective guard. So Dirty Dancer just wrote like, so maybe like a GP three or something. I think that's an interesting name, right? That That's a name to think of if he continues to grow. To be honest, like me and shoes, I am six, three. So maybe he is like six, one, six, two. And so if he's wearing LeBron's as his shoes, he'll probably get to six four who knows right but I, I think he's got decent enough size and he may continue to grow and if he ends up at who knows like six three six four maybe he can even become like a marcus smart type who knows right like he has such um acumen and ability on the defensive side of the ball and what he's going to offer as a floor spacer and a terror in transition you it's easy to get excited about this type of player. Now, once again, I don't think either one of us, no, sorry, I know neither one of us are trying to claim that we, you know, we think he'll ever be like a number one option or a star of a team. But um, I think there's more than enough juice there for him to be a really effective NBA guard. Yeah, I uh, 100% agree with you. All right, let's go back to the YouTube comments and... Uh, R2 asks, what should the Washington Wizards do with a top three pick? Loaded question for a franchise like the Wizards, Albert. Um, Loaded question, <laughs> but also, Corey, like I'm looking at like the top five, top six guys on my draft, on my big board. Yeah. I, I think they couldn't go wrong taking any of these guys. So just to like rattle off my top six, I have Saar at one, Stefan Castle two, Topic three, Jacoby Walter four, Cody Williams five, Reed Shepard six. In my opinion, if the Wizards got a top three pick and took any of those guys, I'd be totally fine with it. Um, is how I feel as of now, just because um, why not? You know, even like there, there's nobody on that roster that would block these guys, any of these guys from seeing the floor, in my opinion. Like even like mm -hmm. even with Koulibaly, like I take I take Koulibaly and I could see him playing next to all of these guys. So right. there's nothing stopping you from taking any of those top six names and them being plugged in and playing on that team and being effective, in my opinion, is how I feel. I think the biggest like need is for the Washington Wizards in that roster. Like I think how many keepers do you think how many how many keepers do you think that they have where you're like this guy I, I actually think like is going to be a part of what this team is doing, you know, for an extended run here. Okay. Let's see. Uh I'm uh, Corey, I'll rattle off these names. Okay. So on okay. their active roster right now, they got Bilal Kulabali keep. Johnny Davis, holy shit, question mark. Uh, Jared Butler, okay, Tyus Jones, Patrick Baldwin Jr., Denny Avdia, Ryan Rollins, Jordan Poole, Jules Bernard, Anthony Gill, Landry Shamit, Daniel Gafford, Corey Kispert, Kyle Kuzma, 
Mike Mascala, DeLon Wright, Danilo Gallinari, Eugene O'Marie. I would say, Corey, like I would hang on to four to five guys on that roster. I think that that number is probably right. Um, Bilal, obviously, I think that's the guy right now. If you had to pick, that's who they are building around, right? Yep. Yep. I still really, really like Corey Kispert. I think he is a very, very good pro. And I think, you know, as Bilal is growing, I think he's the type of guy that you want on your roster spacing the floor for for any prospect. Mm -hmm. So I'd probably add him to that list. But again, given if somebody wanted to make some kind of crazy godfather offer, I wouldn't hesitate like I would with Bilal. I really like Ryan Rollins. I'm not putting him on my like keeper list, right? Right. Johnny Davis, question mark, not ready to give up on him. Same. But also given what we've seen and the making a murderer style documentary that needs to be done on his jump shot, who knows with him, probably a no, but not ready to give up on him. Hopefully he gets his groove back. I like Denny, probably Mm -hmm. the same kind of situation and, and bucket that I would put Kispert in even though I would value Kispert more. Mm-hmm. So I agree. I think that's four. Now, I look at Bilal, Denny, Kispert, all kind of in the wing category. Yeah. So I would say that their biggest needs are probably like a lead guard mm-hmm. or some kind of big man slash defensive mm-hmm. anchor. Now, they have the third pick, right? The question is, what should the Wizards do with the top three pick? For me, Topic is the number one guy on my board. I would love to see him on that team. Mm. Um, running the show, leading the break, getting out in transition, you know, getting open looks for Kispert and, you know, you know, just diming up guys and getting Koulibaly, you know, open cuts and open spot ups and whatnot. Great positional size. I still believe in Castle for a lot of the same reasons. But again, I totally understand if at this point of the draft cycle, the very, very beginning of 2024, people are cooling on that idea in the top six uh, or in the top three. I can make an argument and I personally would have no hesitation at this point taking Ray Shepard there. <laughs> I yep. would have no hesitation taking yep. Shepard at pick Agreed. three for Washington. And I know that sounds outlandish, right? Because you're like, you're going to take Reed Shepard third overall? What about yeah. Ron Holland? Yeah. You know? What about Modest um, Gonzalez? I get it. I just think Reed's going to be better than both of those guys. Agreed. And I think that Reed is the kind of guy that is going to make the kind of winning decisions that impact basketball in a positive way. And when you have a guy like Bilal, you're going to have great defense on the wing. Um, I want like Bilal to be in a good winning environment. I don't want more guys like Ron Holland who are going to take Jordan Poole kind of shots that are just terrible off the bounce shots, right? Make really bad, very poor decisions. Like, I, I don't need that on my roster. Modest Buzelis, like, 
I don't know what he's going to do to earn minutes over Denny. I don't right. know what he's going to do to earn minutes over Kuzma if they were to keep him. What are they going to, you know, what's he going to do to earn minutes over Bilal, over Corey Kiss? I just don't know. I think Reed would immediately be like the best backcourt prospect on that team, <laughs> off shooting, really smart play, probably a little more self creation than we think. Right. I don't care. I'm ready to get flamed. Um, I would take Reed Shepard that high. No, agreed, Corey. I, I, there's no problem. As I mentioned, you know, any of those six guys for me, um, Reed Shepard is one of those six guys. So yeah, I'm with you, and um, he'd be awesome. But also, Corey, what you said about Topich, really important to emphasize. Also, I would say Alexander Saar. Like if you're yeah, the Wizards and definitely. you're in a position to take Saar, absolutely, you should take Saar. Um, Sar is going to be really freaking good. And I've, I, I'm at a point where I kind of refuse to take him out of number one is kind of where I'm at right now, just because the size skill, uh, dog, everything combined. I'm just kind of like, I, I have a lot of trouble seeing him not panning out in the NBA. And I don't mean that I think he's going to be a superstar. I just think he can be a really effective starting center um, and offer you even more than what we've seen so far. Um, I see the NBL as, you know, him. I, when I look at guys in the NBL, I just can't help but think of LaMelo. And so, that's how I want to continue to see Alexander Saar. And what I mean by that is I think whatever difficulties he might experience in the NBL, this is not his final form. Um, I think he's only going to get better from here. And to be as big as he is, to have that type of skill set, um, I, I'd be really, really hard-pressed not taking him in the top three. So if the Wizards end up with him, even with Daniel Gafford on their roster, who cares? You need multiple centers anyway. Look at the Knicks. We lost Mitchell Robinson. Hartenstein comes in. It's unbelievable as a starter. So it's good to have multiple centers. Yeah, depth is always pretty good. And, I mean, the potential defense and the building blocks of a defense with Saar and Kulavali terrifying. is really intriguing. Like, the switchability, right? Like um the defense uh defensive event creation of those two guys the length the fluidity i think that that would be a really intriguing kind of you know forward big combo uh to kind of start a rebuild with and i think sar is the kind of talent who has shown like really intriguing flashes and fluidity and whatnot in a professional league that you can make a case is probably one of the reasons that uh, Washington took Kulabali last year, right? You know, there's, there's probably some parallels in, in the decision-making there. So, um, I think, you know, SAR is probably the, from a, he's probably the only big in the discussion. And like yeah. you said, like they have Daniel Gafford, but, uh, can't hurt to have, you know, big man depth. And it, right. it also, you know, can't hurt to, have a trade asset like Daniel Gafford, who you can potentially move for other pieces. I mean, you know, if there's one thing, I think the Wizards do have pieces. You know, I think Kyle Kuzma will fetch something. Jordan Poole, big contract. I don't know. Some team could probably get desperate and talk themselves into like the championship version of Poole. Hmm. Um, but not a great contract to have ultimately at this point, right? And probably not the guy you want being the number one option on your rebuild. Um, yeah. Definitely flashes of like swaggy P type stuff from him is not my favorite thing in the world, but yeah. So I, ultimately I think ideally if the wizards can walk away with like a Topic or a SAR, I think that would be kind of like 
killing two birds with one stone and getting like good basketball players, but also with the highest ceiling. Yeah. 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 It, regardless, Corey, I think it's, you know, <clears throat> it's pretty telling that we went up and down the roster and we found about five or six guys that we'd be pretty comfortable keeping. And so if that's the state of your franchise, then uh, you should be pretty open to any of the top guys in the top three. Yeah. 100%. I agree completely. Um, let's now go back to the Twitter questions. Mm-hmm. And we are going to go to Algren on Twitter slash X. And we are going to answer the question, how many NBL prospects will be drafted? And then who do you think have his best shot? Who do I think has the best shot of succeeding or who do you think has the best shot? I don't know, but how many, let's answer the question. How many NBL prospects will be drafted? Um, I did a little, you know, pre-show research and these were the names that I came away with that I think are going to be in the discussion. I think SAR, mm-hmm. I think AJ Johnson, mm-hmm. Bobby Clintman, mm-hmm. Alex Tui, mm-hmm. Trenton Flowers, uh, Huck Party. Yes. And uh, Rubes DeVicious from the Breakers, who has been playing well recently. I think those would be the seven guys that are in consideration. So out of those seven guys with an over-under set at, let's say, six and a half, do you have the over or the under there? I have the under. Um, okay. Where I'm at, Corey, I think five of them get drafted is how I feel. Okay. Um, I, I really like a player like flowers. I maybe a really like it's a stretch. Um, I, I think he's the type of guy that would, could go undrafted and still make his way onto an NBA roster or at least, you know, uh, summer league training camp invite, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I feel like, you know, hook Porty, Clint Mint, Tui, Sar, um, and AJ Johnson. Those are the five that I feel pretty confident about going somewhere within the first two rounds. Okay, so who on that list wasn't? Did we say isn't uh, uh, flowers? And, yes, Roofs and flowers. Yeah. Okay, I think those guys have a good chance too. Sar, mm-hmm. definite. Clintman. I, I want to say I was going through the draft rankings, putting it together, and everybody has Clintman like in like the twenty to twenty three range right now, mm-hmm. and I think he's really benefiting just from like this draft not being good at all and it's yeah. just like this is a dude who's like six nine six ten uh has shown flashes of flashes of being an outside shooter and like off ball cutter and versatile defensively and i don't know if it's real or if it's not real but like at that point of the draft in this draft it seems like he's just gonna he's gonna live in that spot um yeah. and get away with that just because there's nobody else um I, aj johnson somebody i'm still way in on and mm. Maybe I'm just psychotic for having that opinion uh, because he's doing a whole lot of nothing in the NBL. Um, you know, not necessarily his fault. He is not right. getting a lot of opportunity. Um, but part of me is wondering, like, um, if he went to the G League Ignite mm-hmm. instead of the NBL and he was allowed to just go in there and get whatever shot he wanted. What would our opinion be and what would his draft range be just based on flashes 
and like pedigree. Hmm. Inefficiency be damned. Like, would he really be suffering as a prospect with his draft stock so much? Because I'm not sure if he would. Yeah. It's a little bit more free flowing, a little bit more up and down. Like, I think it's probably a little easier to score consistently there. I, I think just straight up, he'd get more playing time too, Corey. Which and, right, he would be given free re- like he can yeah. make mistakes, you know, and not have to worry about that. Because hmm. every time I watch him in the NBL, I'm like, if I'm gonna take take like a swing in the first round, like I'm still willing to swing on AJ Johnson with a top twenty pick. Agreed. I don't Agreed. care that he's playing three minutes a game. He's got great size. I think his shot is super fluid and smooth. He has a good handle. Yes, he's weak. Yes, he needs to get stronger. That's fine. He's 18, 19 years old, whatever he is, like he's going to. And I saw him in person and he was on the court with Rob Dillingham and DJ Wagner and Justin Edwards and Stefan Castle and Marco Jackson and a whole bunch of other prospects that I'm forgetting. And he was the best player on the floor. And it wasn't even like a question at that time. Now it was like an all-star game or whatever, but like he was not gunning. Like a lot of the players were, he wasn't chucking. He was still getting everything in the flow of an offense. He was Mm -hmm. cooking dudes. I think he's got some playmaking stuff like in his bag and decision-making, which I think is, you know, kind of improving in the NBL. Like, I don't know. I I think he had a weird high school experience, you know, having played with multiple high school, he went to Donda. Then that whole thing happened when Kanye did the whole thing. Um, So I'm still in on AJ Johnson. And if I'm going to swing, I'll still swing on AJ. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, Corey, I'm right there with you. I have him top 20. I have him exactly 20th. And I think board. he's going to kill in workouts. Yeah. Yeah. Great size to him. Mm-hmm. Had some wiggle to him. Um, not like the greatest athlete, but who cares? You know, it, it, he's got good bones. But not a bad one. Is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not a bad one. Um, but he's got a good foundation. Um, I, I loved what you said about his game, and I agree with all that. So, yeah, uh, two, he's a guy that I've always been high on. I just yeah. feel like he's going to find a role in the NBA. It's not too complicated. I'm I'm not claiming he's going to be a star or anything, but he has a, uh, an NBA skill set with an NBA size frame. So I, I'm totally fine with two. I still have two in my top 25. Obviously, I'm probably the only one, but it's okay. I'm I'm fine with that. Um, I, I just I just see an NBA role for him and an NBA roster spot from one day. Uh, Clintman, same thing. I actually have two E twenty four, Clintman twenty five. So they're back to back right there. I think they're pretty neck and neck. Mm-hmm. Although two E is uh, younger. Um, and then yeah, Hook Porty has been interesting to watch as well, and a guy that I think deserves to get drafted. So my my once again my answer is under. I, I think five feels about right, but I could see Flowers also getting drafted as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, All right, let's see. Let's go back to the YouTube comments, and uh, we will go to Daniel Mortensen. Who would you draft to fit around Paulo and Franz and Suggs in Orlando? And the Magic currently, today, have the 22nd pick. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll rattle off the roster for us, Corey. Um, the Magic have Anthony Black, Jonathan Isaac, Caleb Houston, Paolo Boncaro, Jalen Suggs, Chumo Kiki, uh, Joe Ingles, Kevon Harris, Trevlin Queen, Jed Howard, the God. Just kidding. Uh, Gary Harris, Markel Fultz, uh, Mo Wagner, Franz Wagner, Admiral Schofield, 
Wendell Carter Jr., Goga Bitadze, Cole Anthony. Mm -hmm. This is not as easy of a question as people may think it is. Um, but my initial answer, Corey, is I would feel good about adding more shooting and a center. Now, I know that Bitatze has played decent for them recently. I'm still not in love with Bitatze. Uh, I mm -hmm. think there's still, I still think his game is really rough around the edges. And he still makes really weird decisions as a basketball player. But I also want to acknowledge that he has played pretty well for them in recent weeks. Um, especially he with has. Wendell Carter being out for them. Mo Wagner is Mo Wagner. I think he's just fine. Uh, I think and he's good. Good player. Yeah, yeah, I think he's just fine. I wouldn't freak out. So I would feel comfortable with them adding another big guy. Um, I said shooting, but I also believe Jed Howard is the answer to that question. I'm the only person maybe on planet Earth that feels this way. But I think Jed Howard is eventually going to become a really good NBA player. And I'm ready to die on that hill. I still um, have my jet stock. Mm -hmm. And I will forever hold on to my jet stock. Um, but like, you know, some of these names, it, it's going to get interesting, right? Like, what do they do with Cole Anthony? What do they do? Mark Feltz? What do they do? Gary Harris? Um, it seems like they really, really love Anthony Black. They really love Jalen Suggs. Um, I, I, I don't know. This is a weird roster. Jonathan Isaac's been hurt again recently. So that's another thing to put up on the board there. I, I For me personally, Corey, I would go big man. But you said they're take we're they're at what 29 right now on the 22 on the, 22 okay so if they're at 22 and they take a kalel where who cares no problem with that they take a eves missy there sure if kyle filipowski's there okay maybe you know like why not uh aaron bradshaw if he keeps playing well sure so that's how i feel Corey. if they're at 22 and they end up with one of these you know uh raw-ish big men i'd be okay with that is how i feel right now so I think if they take a big man, they have to take one that could space the floor a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, because no, weird for you? I just think, I, I think they need shooting mm -hmm. like no matter where it's coming from. Yeah. Like they need guys who are not only shooting it, but like shooting it at volume um, jet potentially, you know, accomplishes that um, as he develops. You know, I believe in Franz as a guy who can shoot the ball sometimes, but he has yet to, you know, become a consistent distant shooter. Same with Paulo. Um, Cole, uh, he, he can shoot, but, you know, we'll, we'll see if he's a, a long-term piece. I think he's been really good for them in like a six-man role. I really like Markel Fultz, but it seems like with the drafting of Anthony Black, it seems like his time is limited and it, it might be better off, you know, getting a guy who can potentially fit a little bit more nicely as far as the shooting and stuff goes. So if they're going to go big, I think they got to go somebody who could shoot a little bit. And I don't know who that is in that, <laughs> in that range. <laughs> I guess you can go, you could say where can theoretically shoot, but I, I want a Corey, guy who can do more than theoretically shoot it. If, if Philip Housky drops a little bit. Yeah, but I, I don't think he's going to in this draft. I, I don't think he's that. going to. I agree with that. And he's another guy that's theoretically shooting it. That is true. I never think it's going in when he shoots. Which is weird because I'm always thinking it's going in when he <laughs> shoots. Because <laughs> I think his shot is beautiful and it just doesn't go in as much as I think it should. Um, again, I like Guillermo Diaz-Graham from Pittsburgh. I could see that being an interesting swing uh, yeah. as far as 
bigs go, PJ Hall would be nice. PJ Hall, Hall, I would really, really like because I think PJ Hall can really, really shoot it. And I think that people don't realize how good PJ Hall has been this year on both sides of the ball and just about every aspect. He's been, you know, arguably the best player in college basketball this year, arguably. Uh, not saying that definitively. But I, I think that's what they would need if they were going in the big man direction. I still think they need shooting from the wing. Now they went and they, you know, they tried accomplishing that with Jet. Uh, again, I think they'll they'll do that, but they also need more shooters. Like they can't rely solely on Jet as like an outside shooting threat from the wings. So some guys in that range that I think you know could be interesting um, right now, and I'm not fully on board yet. Jackson Robinson from BYU. Uh, I like Jackson Robinson. I think he is kind of smooth in the pick and roll, really good shooter, versatile shooter. I think he has, it's either 10 or like slightly less than 10 half court rim attempts this season. So he just puts zero pressure on the rim and I don't fully love that. Um, now we're talking about shooting, but you know, I also want guys who can finish at the rim. Uh, if I in, you know, with a pick in, in that top 20, I, a name that, I feel like I'm probably on an island with at this point, but I think potentially is going to heat up at a certain point is Nick Clifford from uh, Colorado State. Uh, now, I, he's shooting the ball really, really well so far this year. We'll see if it sustains because in his previous three years in Colorado, he hasn't been like, um, you know, the a beacon of consistency as a shooter. However, He's a guy, 6'6", really great length, versatile, can handle the ball, can pass the ball, can shoot the ball, can defend. Like some of the possessions on Trey Alexander in the Creighton game are like just gobbled him up. Like Trey was really struggled to score in that game. Uh, So I think he would be kind of interesting. LOL (laughs) in the YouTube comments says uh, uh, Milan Momsilovic, similar, Mm -hmm. I think, to Jackson Robinson, with just absolutely does not pressure the rim, even one iota, but I think his shot is so smooth and I, I like him and I wouldn't fault them for taking a shot. Tristan De Silva Colorado. could be a guy they look at um, for sure. So, you know, I think they'll, they'll have some options, but imagine PJ Hall there. Corey, I moved PJ Hall to 12 on my board and I'm, I feel amazing about it. He's so damn good. And he's been so <laughs> look at that. Um, but on defense too, with his rim protection shit, I'm just like, yeah. what are we talking about? Is this guy just the best player ever? I I love him so much. And his jumper, Corey, might just be perfect. Um, it's unbelievable considering his size too. But really quickly, Corey, you mentioned uh Nick Clifford. Um, I pulled up his uh, his stats here. He's shooting just under 53% from three uh, on 2.6 attempts per game and 89.3% from the free throw line, which um, that's what we call good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty, <laughs> it's pretty damn good. We'll see, let's see if it sustains. You know, yeah, I don't. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. It's you know, we're it's January second right now, but I think that he's just a guy from the wing who's like super this is what NBA teams value and the kind of guys that get on the floor. He's got a great, great frame. 
uh, really, really great length, like super smooth. I just have, you know, I'm a sucker for smooth basketball players who make really smart decisions and could do a bunch of things on the floor. Sue me. But, but Corey, I'll say this, <clears throat> excuse me. They end up with PJ Hall on this roster. The, the types of things that they can do is terrifying. Just absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, he can play off Apollo and Franz and just be the most skilled, fun, shooting, everything, versatile three, four, five in the league. Like they would be just unbelievable. So I hope PJ Hall ends up there as one of his <laughs> potential options. That'd be unbelievably fun. Yeah. Similarly, an older guy that I think would be helpful for them on the wing, um, Dalton connect, you know, mm-hmm. if he were to, if he were to be available there, I think, I think he would be a, vi- a, a viable option for the magic and, and somebody that could, you know, be a pretty, pretty seamless fit for them uh, as well. And who has good size and is, is a good, you know, NBA athlete. So he's, he's definitely somebody I would look towards. And then let's do one more uh, question and we will take it from Brian Taylor and Brian Taylor asks, as I pull up the Twitter to the screen, um, he asks, who is the biggest fool's gold in the draft right now? Welcome to the player haters ball. Uh, I know, Corey, I think I know your answer. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to be like, I'm hating uh, God, but you do Corey, you do. Okay. Let me give my answer first. Ah, God, people are going to hate me for this. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I have this guy. I think everyone else has him like top five, top 10. And I have him at 15th on my board, which some people may not like, uh, but I'm ready to live with uh, for me. And I, and I don't even mean this to say that I think he's going to be a bad player. <clears throat> I just don't think he's as good as people think he is. And it's to the point where I have an older guy. I, I think, I, I think I'm going to move him. Up. Okay. So let me just explain uh, the guy for me is Donovan Klingon. Um, okay. I'm lower on Klingon than others are. I think he's just fine. Obviously, he's a gigantic human being. I understand that, but I want to see him be healthy for a long time and continue to be productive. And I want to see how his game develops. Um, I think he moves well, but I also don't think he moves well, if that makes sense, um, is how I feel about Donovan Klingon. And to I'm the point where. I'm thinking about moving Zach Eady above him is kind of how I feel. And people will say I'm crazy and I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that because I understand that that could be a hot take for some people. It's Albert, just, I think the pendulum swinging on that. Okay, good. I'm really glad. Zach Eady was 14 on Gavoni's oh. board today. Well, Maxwell, it, Maxwell wrote a piece on Zach Eady. Yeah. You know, talking about, we've been having these discussions internally. Mm-hmm. Zach Eady has been like historically, dominant in college basketball for a number of years. I saw him uh, a couple years ago and I could not believe that a human being of his size moved as well as he did. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that you are crazy for having that opinion. I appreciate that. And I feel a lot better with you saying that because you're right. And I also want to say Maxwell's piece on him was awesome. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's something that really confirmed, I think, for a lot of people like me and you, Corey, that really like ED and that, you know, this guy has been ridiculously productive 
And as you mentioned, that word dominant needs to be used. He's been unbelievable as the best guy at Purdue. And so, um, yeah, I'm at a point where I think Klingon might be slightly overrated and I am trending towards having an ED above him. And so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I saw Klingon earlier this year. And I saw him last year too when he was barely playing last year. Um, I saw him earlier this year and unfortunately he barely played in that game too. Um, I saw him play against Texas and I did like what I saw. I think that there is something to buy with him as a shooter, even though like the numbers aren't backing it up. I just think like he has pretty smooth form. Um, I liked some of the, some of the quick decisions he was making. It didn't like translate necessarily to like him diming guys up like Jokic or anything, but I thought like he definitely looked like a guy who had like pretty good feel. He's really big. Um, he's got good hands. Like he was finishing around the hoop. He was like, he's, I think he's solid. I, I, I think by default, cause I don't believe in a lot of the prospects in this draft. I think he was like number nine on my board and I don't feel good about it. I feel good about like two players in this draft right now, like mm-hmm. in the top 10. Um, so with Edie though, like, the big difference, it's like, hey, man, Zach Eady can play 30 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Klingon hasn't proved that he can play 30 minutes a game. And if you're going to take Klingon with a, you know, a high pick, and I, I think the opinion on that has shifted a little bit. And, and we went on a rant when we recorded in Portland together when we did like our, our in-person pod. And people, you know, at the, that point, Klingon had a little bit of hype. And I think he had then announced that week that he was staying and we were like, that's a great decision. He's got to prove that he can play more than 10 minutes per game. And we went on like this rant and it was like, not the opinion of like the consensus at that time. So, um, but I still like Klingon. And I think in a draft with not a lot of good players, like he's probably going to be a guy that is at least an NBA player. He's still been insanely productive. Like his, his numbers are still really, really, really great. And that's part of it. Like, I think sometimes, and we mentioned, like, sometimes the eye test doesn't match how dominant it feels like he's been by the numbers. Um, but there has to be some hint of truth to those numbers, you know? Right. And I liked what I saw in person. But I, I don't think that that is a crazy opinion to have Edie okay. above Klingon, ultimately. Okay. And you're a fool's gold? <laughs> yeah, my fool's gold. I alluded to it a little earlier. <laughs> yeah, we did. For me, for me, it's Ron Holland. Yep. Yep. Um, and Holland's his draft stock is dropping a little bit. I think he was tenth or eleventh on the ESPN board today. Um, I've been there for a while. You know, like in the preseason board, I had him around that range, I believe. When when we were we did our preseason scout on him, I I understand that there isn't a lore to like being a super athletic wing who can theoretically knock down shots and like flashes shot making potential. Um, I totally get that. But I think just because the talent is down in this draft, it doesn't mean that we kind of have to put guys on a pedestal just because somebody has to draft Mm -hmm. players, right? Like unless these guys have potential, we don't have to pretend that they're going to be stars, right? You know what I mean? It's really hard to be a star level wing given the plethora of them and the ones that are, you know, continually being drafted every year that haven't turned into stars yet. But like, I don't think he can shoot it. Mm -hmm. I didn't see anything in the week of practices at Hoop Summit that led me to believe that I was like wrong about that. 
Um, he hasn't shot it in the G League. He has bad shot selection. Um, he can't really dribble. Definitely not in like tight spaces. He doesn't like recognize where the help is and where it's coming from. So he'll just like dribble into groups of people and like barrel through into charges. Um, he can't make high level reads consistently. Like he might flash one every now and then to like the weak side corner, but like he's not like somebody who you would classify as being like super high feel. Mm-hmm. I think his d- defense is a little overrated. He definitely generates like a ton of steals and blocks. And I think that is important um, for sure. And I think he's, a, he, I do think he's a good rebounder. Like he attacks the defensive glass. Um, like he, he plays with energy and effort in, in that those spots. But right now I wouldn't like necessarily classify him as like somebody who is like definitely a lock to be a defensive stopper or anything. Like maybe you would with Koulibaly. Yeah. Or Asar Thompson. Um, he's probably smaller than his listed height. Like, I don't think he's 6'8". You know, we saw him in person for a week. Maybe he's grown since then. He's very young. Yeah. But how many wings would have gone in front of him in last year's draft? And what does that say about kind of where he like where his value lies. So like going through the list, Brandon Miller would go ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Both Thompson's would go ahead of him. That's three. Yes. Koulibaly would go ahead of him. Yes. That's four. If you consider Anthony black, a wing, he'd have gone ahead of him. That's five. Uh, Jet Howard went 11. So I'm assuming he would have gone ahead of him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's six. Uh, Grady Dick probably would have gone ahead of him. Whether or not that's the right move. Who knows? That's seven. Um, you can make an argument that Hawkes would have gone ahead of him, mm-hmm. right? Which looks like a smart move. That's eight. Cam Whitmore. That's where I guess you could make a toss up, mm-hmm. but Whitmore probably would have gone ahead of him, right? I'd rather have Whitmore. That's, yeah. Yeah. As a prospect, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's nine. And that's not even getting into some of the other guys. Now you're getting into the pedigree of like Dariq Whitehead, that if you want to take the shot on that, right? Sensaba, Leonard Miller. You know, there are a lot of young wings that are also worthy of a swing at that point. So you're looking at like, maybe he was the 10th best wing in like last year's draft. Yeah. So like, we don't have to necessarily pretend like he's a top five pick. Like, I think that'll be bad for him if he ends up going in the top five. Cause I don't, I don't think that's where he's at. And it doesn't mean he's going to be a bad player. I just think that he's not going to deliver the value that I think fans are going to want from a selection at that point. And I could be totally wrong. And maybe I am, but like, I just, I haven't really loved what I've seen and I don't want to kill a kid who's, you know, 18, 19 years old. Cause I like that he plays, you know, with intensity and fire and he, there are certainly flashes and, and all of that for sure. I just feel like the direction of the league is moving towards guys who play with high feel and can shoot the ball and have a ton of skill. And I think he needs a lot of refinement. And again, like we mentioned earlier, like <clears throat> is a team like, like a team like Detroit, would they be better with the high potential on Holland next year? Would that make them a better team that's going to win games? Or would you rather have a Reed Shepard? I would rather have Reed. Yeah. You know, like, um, and I, I don't want to keep going back to Reed, but in case you missed it, I posted freshman BPM uh, historically dating back to 2008. And currently Reed is third on that list behind Zion and I believe. Anthony Davis was the other one, maybe. Um, 
So Reed's really, 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 really good. But like, you know, there are a bunch of guys that I think would help a, a young, bad rebuilding team a lot more than Ron Holland would. And I'm, I'm struggling to find like the rebuilding situation where I think Holland would be like a good fit. Like, I just don't, I just don't know where, I don't know where that would be. Like, I'm not really seeing it in the top 10. I'm just not. Yeah. Yeah. No, Corey, I think, I think everything that you said may sound harsh, but I think is painfully accurate. And, um, yeah, I, I moved Holland down to 11 on my board. Um, I know you have him lower. Um, I could see him continuing to fall. Um, and he was a guy that I loved. Like, I really, really liked watching him at Hoop Summit, a guy that I was really excited about. Um, I thought that he was going to continue to improve as a shooter. Um, I just loved the energy that he played with. And you highlighted all that. Mm -hmm. And yet still there are real questions with his game. And um, when I looked at him and I thought about regardless of this class, or actually, sorry, no, it can't be regardless of the cl this class. It's like it, taking him in the top five, even though this is a weak draft class, feels wrong. Like actually feels wrong for both ends. I think feels wrong for him and feels wrong for whatever team might take him in the top five. Um, I just don't feel like that is the best situation for him to grow as an NBA player. I think if you put the pressure of him being a top five guy on him, I just don't think that works. Um, and I think puts him in a really dangerous position, in my opinion. So um, I'm with you, dude. I think that's a great answer. Um, and I think we have two guys that uh, have a lot of work to do is, uh, I think, where we're at. Yeah, for sure. Um, and again, you know, like I, maybe the G League situation just wasn't the situation he needed to where yeah. he has free. He's not a, maybe he's a guy who who that much freedom to explore the studio space is not what he needed. And maybe he needed a more structured situation like he would get in college to kind of have to reel it in. And you would see that then like accentuate his strengths much more than, you know, we're seeing now where he can kind of go and do whatever he wants and, and make those mistakes. Right. Um, but ultimately, you know, that's not an, an answer we know right now. And it's something that we'll have to find out as, you know, time goes on. So, um, all right, that will wrap it up for the, January Q and a on the NBA draft show. Uh, got a lot of good stuff coming this week at no ceilings. Uh, if you're watching this live, we have a big board coming out tomorrow morning. Uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, the big board dropped yesterday. Uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, the draft rankings will be out today. If you are watching this on YouTube, those will be out on Thursday. So we have a lot of rankings, the no ceilings team, and then the general consensus of the mainstream uh, draft community on. And I think it's going to give us a good insight on where prospects are out entering, you know, into the actual new year. So with that said, everybody, thank you for participating in the chat and asking all your questions. Thank you to everybody following along on Twitter, giving us all those questions. This was a lot of fun. I'm sorry if we didn't get to your question. We got a lot of questions, um, but we'll be doing these throughout the cycle. So continue to send them to us. And if you have any questions, you can definitely DM me on Twitter and I will, you know, definitely get to you um, and answer your questions there. So with that said, Albert, where can the lovely people 
find you on the World Wide Web? Uh, you can find me at Alberto Gim on Twitter, on Instagram. You can find me at GTG NBA uh, before you go, uh, before we go, sorry, before you go, before <laughs> we go, I have to give another special shout out to a bit NYC, uh, www.abitnyc.com. Uh, Kevin Park is dressing me now for these pods, which is pretty dope. Uh, also sounds like I'm a child. Uh, saying that he's dressing me, but you understand what I'm saying here. <laughs> styling uh, you. Styling me. That sounds better. But this hoodie here yeah. is from a bit NYC. So it's this cool little enamel pin thing here uh, with the logo there. Uh, if you want to check out any of that stuff, check out the website, www.abitnyc.com. Appreciate it. Yeah, that is quality stuff. You got the embroidery there, you know, not just a screen print. That's tough. Yes, that is very tough. All right. You can find me at Corey Tulliba. You can find all of our written work at noceilingsmba.com. It is completely free. So make sure to check that out. You can also subscribe to No Ceilings Plus um, if you feel like supporting us monetarily and you get bonus content um, and behind the scenes Discord, private Discord that we have. So um, yeah, it uh, we got a lot of good stuff happening there. And uh we got the the Tylers back in tandem returning this week. Uh, congratulations to Congrats. the conductor of chaos, Tyler Rucker, on having his first child. Um, super excited uh, about that and and bringing another uh, you know team dad to you know ceilings. So um, with that said, we will be back next week as always. Thanks everybody for rocking with us. Stay safe out there. Welcome to 2024. It's going to be lit. We out. Peace. Peace.